It's August 2nd, 2020, and welcome to episode 41 of the Baby Metal Podcast. We gather in the podcast Discord server on alternate weeks to discuss news and thoughts on the past and future projects of Baby Metal. We invite you to join us, whether you're a longtime fan or have only just arrived. I am Paul, and I am joined by Kevin. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And Callie. Hello, everyone. And special guest, Toby. Konnichiwa, everyone. How are you? Excellent. <laughs> Japanese, I recognized that. (laughs) (laughs) Not Dutch. Thanks for having me, guys. So let's see. So the topic for today's episode is going to be uh, basically talking with Toby a little bit about his journey that wound up getting him to Baby Metal and so forth. And then we'll get back to that a a bit later. Uh, We'll sort of start off as usual with going through a couple of kind of recent news type things. Among the most recent things that have happened, we have a couple of seconds in... Corey Taylor's CMFT video where Sue and Moa appear. So this was sort of a surprise. Uh, the video itself is basically, it's got a lot of cameos from many famous people in the, in the sort of metal world. Uh, Corey Taylor is from Slipknot and Stone Sour. What's Stone Sour? <laughs> I don't know Stone Sour. <laughs> That's just another band. That was a side it project. Uh, I think it was one that he started before Slipknot was a thing, and then um, he took he made it big with Slipknot, and then they went off and said, "Okay, we've got all this money. Let's reboot that Stone Sour thing and do music that's not going to really fly with the Slipknot audience." Yeah, uh, and Stone Sour actually came on after Baby Metal on the Corn Support Tour in uh, 2017. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Okay. There are various little connections between Baby Metal and. Slipknot and Corey Taylor. So uh, I think sort of famously, Corey Taylor's son was a Baby Metal fan, right? Yes. Mm. And Baby Metal is scheduled for Knotfest, which was going to happen and now is later going to happen. Right. So anyway, in this video, there's just, uh, you know, throughout the, throughout the song, there are these squares that show up in the middle with various personalities, kind of like either singing along or miming along or just sort of like being present uh and sort of late in the video we have this it is basically like a second and a half at at four minutes 58 is what i have is the note i have of them just sort of like dancing along mouthing something that doesn't actually seem like it's uh the song. (laughs) 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 What's actually sort of funny is it doesn't even seem like what they're saying is the same as what each other, like they're saying different things. (laughs) I can't quite make their, make their mouth movements track with each other, (laughs) but it's like they're saying different vowels or something. It is the most adorable fist pump. Yes, it is excellent. (laughs) Paul, you were also thinking too, that I don't know, maybe this is tin hat territory but that uh they were they recorded this separately and put them together in post i i was convinced about that for a while um but this fan base is insane <laughs> however um through a bit of a we are talking about this is this has got to be like what 40 frames or something i mean like maybe not even <laughs> not many frames yeah, to this video like 40 like 45 yeah um and so there's one, there's, I think, a couple of frames where you can see what appears to be Sue's shoulder thing bumping up and bending against Ma's arm. <laughs> so they <laughs> must have been at the same, they must have been in the same place. <laughs> but uh, at any rate. <laughs> so you no longer subscribe so, to that. 
I think either that or it's just, you know, good effects work. But it does kind of look like it could have been uh, Moa and then Sue composited over top because uh, Sue's definitely just a little bit in front. I don't know. I don't know. I still am not 100% sure. <laughs> and we'll never know. It's a pretty minor appearance. But the thing is that uh, there's a whole kind of like reaction video culture, right? Um, and I, I myself have not watched too many of these, but there are a fair number of baby metal fans, you know, who do watch these because it's kind of interesting to see people, you know, discover them, right? Mm-hmm. We, we like to see the, what is this? This is crazy. Actually, wait, no, this is actually kind of good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I've seen a few of these and largely it's been, you know, people reacting to various versions of give me chocolate or whatever but uh but there you know they people do react to other stuff and so there's a, there's a kind of cool little compilation of people reacting to the Corey taylor video and like coming across this second and a half and going oh baby metal <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of cool actually i, I like there's something kind of neat about the fact that uh enough of these people kind of like knew who they were mm-hmm. like, and they're like huh okay so I think I think the effect was good. Uh, my friend Eric on, uh, posted on Facebook with the animated GIF of those forty-eight frames or however many was, um, mm-hmm. and he said, "Isn't it cool to see baby metal with all these legendary rock and metal, you know, gods?" And I was like, "No, no, let me just correct that for you. Isn't it cool to see all these rock and metal legends with baby metal?" <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> or all these legends, including baby metal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so I think the effect that it produced is a good one it's reminding people that they're there by putting them in kind of an unexpected place i still am not so sure about the song itself (laughs) i have to say (laughs) it's it's like 50 percent obscenity in in english but uh whatever (laughs) i'm a big tech nine fan so i was happy with it i guess i sort of feel like uh if they could have done something that was functionally the same but in a different song (laughs) i would have been a little happier yeah i agree you know what i'll take it I think they're in pretty interesting and cool company. Yeah. I mean, I, basically, I, I think I like the I like the project. Um, I just surely Corey Taylor has another song. <laughs> the song itself. I mean, the C and the T in CMFT are Corey Taylor. It's it is it's one of these kind of like egocentric songs that always kind of rubs me the wrong way anyway. Mm. <laughs> um you know, I don't know. It's it's a it's a whole sort of genre of song about like I am the greatest, right? <laughs> that really just kind of bugs me always. <laughs> so so, but it's it's cool and interesting, and you know, it, it seems like something new for us. I I don't have much reason to believe that it was filmed anytime recently, but particularly because it don't they don't appear to be mouthing along with the song. <laughs> I mean, they they could have done this at any time that they were in costume. Yeah. Anyway, it's it was cool to see them. Uh, it. It, uh, I think, woke woke people up a little bit. Um, yeah. Because I think people who are watching that video who weren't expecting them, first, it's a surprise. Second, they it'll lead people to think, oh, wait, I wonder what they're, st- you know, they're still a thing. <laughs> What's <laughs> yeah. going on? So it might, it might actually help um, kind of like bring new people around. Definitely. So hello, new people, you know, starting at recent episodes of the podcast. <laughs> Sorry for being down on the song you like. Anyway, it's possible we've exhausted the the topic, but it's cool to see them. Yeah, you can see just how starved everybody is. I think it's indicative of how starved the fan base is, though, of uh, 
anything that's new from baby metal like it's, it's very obvious now that we're hungry and we want more um so yes. hopefully baby metal will have that kind of foresight not the girls but their management at least will have the foresight to parlay this into you know something new from them whether it be a video or a song or anything just give us a little susan or something please be a song please be a song <laughs> <laughs> yeah although i mean honestly i don't remember a time i mean like I, I think i remember maybe like a month and a half when that wasn't a correct characterization of the fan state yeah <laughs> so um it's pretty much always that way i mean i guess you know the most recent sort of tour dates were canceled but i was kind of expecting there to be like not much going on about it this time particularly as as we led up to october i still want to know what they're going to do next so in shipping news um <laughs> the uh so we had the u.s store sent to a bunch of us um little things saying well your orders from the, the, like the wembley merch uh the orders are going to be delayed because the patches are slow and coming and you know whatever so uh we'll ship all that stuff together uh the uk uk store had been a little weird and had like sent out half orders and things but uh the u.s store has said all right well when we're going to wait for the patches and then we're going to send the stuff um and they've sent something new uh about the legend s merch saying uh well we're having some trouble getting the dog colors <laughs> <laughs> so we'll send that one when we get it so i don't know maybe we're gonna get it all at once yeah what a mess yeah although i mean i think i, I sort of feel like they, they've almost made it more of a mess than it needed to be because i mean it's 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 not exactly their fault you know like if the thing's not produced I don't know. Anyway, yeah. it, it sort of seems like it's kind of ridiculous to expect that we that the world is not in this like strange pandemic state. Right. <laughs> I'm sure people will get mad anyway about anything, but uh, it just kind of seems unreasonable to expect that everything is going to work the same way it always has. Mm -hmm. I know Osmart's been doing pretty good. Yeah, I received my yeah. Osmart order. No problem whatsoever. I still yeah. have not received anything from the UK store. At this rate, I'm expecting my uh, SGRTG merch before my Wembley stuff from the U.S. store. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so so far it is, uh, I think it's the patches and the pet collar that have caused the delay yes. in the shipments. <laughs> I mean, they're produced by Sue Metal and maybe, they, maybe too many people ordered it. And, <laughs> She's uh, Sue's very busy. Furiously sewing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's overworked. <laughs> Uh, there was another thing that was sort of interesting was the, uh, apparently there is a, a J drama, uh, MIU 404, MIU 404. I don't know. It's, um, apparently something like a detective show. But what's relevant to us is that, uh, apparently in an upcoming episode, there are a couple of people who, like a couple of girls who are baby metal fans who show up and like in the little preview of this episode, they, they show, I mean, like in the whatever 22nd through 32nd kind of like, you know, uh, teaser, they, it ends with these two girls, you know, saying like Sue metal death, mom metal death. And then, and the, I guess maybe even the detective <laughs> doing the, um, Kitsune sign back. Yes. And then, and that's how the thing ends, you know, so it's, it's in a, it's in this like super prominent position and it always makes me kind of curious to know, like, to what extent this is just part of cultural knowledge. Like, do, do people in Japan just kind of know, know that and go, like roll their eyes and. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm my, my gut as a salty old man at this point is that it's just product placement and Amuse sent them some money. Yeah. 
Though, I mean, I, presumably they still had to agree. Um, <laughs> I, I guess what I'm trying to, f- what I'm, what I'm not sure about the, the thought I'm trying to express is that I'm, I'm wondering if this is something that everybody knows that it's somehow enough known in Japan that they, that they are all like, okay, I, you know, I know what they're doing. <laughs> they're, they're doing the baby metal thing. Maybe. Cause I guess uh, that's always been a question. Like, are they big in Japan or not? I mean, I think, I think they're always, I always think of them as kind of in the middle. Like most people kind of have heard of them yeah. vaguely. That's kind of my impression as well. Oh yeah. Um, Aiko did a, uh, Aiko Yamaida did a, like a live thing that she's, she's um, from uh, Sakura Gakuin and she's a, uh, in the, was in the sort of initial group, not the initial group. When did she start? She wasn't in the very first year, right? She started. No, um, she transferred in, in 2013. Oh, okay. Actually later than I thought. Um, yeah, she was so small. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at that point but yes. um anyway she's she's gone on to to you know kind of have a musical career and has been releasing singles and stuff and uh she did a live performance and uh mentioned just recently that um Yui was watching so that was kind of nice Aiko was apparently happy that that happened um I don't know how she knew but at any rate um so everybody's kind of pleased to hear some mention of you being at least capable of watching things. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, somebody in her live chat asked how many baby metal shows she had been to. And that's she kind of went on this little speech about it. And that's when she mentioned that Yui was watching her online live, which made her very happy. That's excellent. Yeah. Seriously, that's pretty much the most official thing we've heard <laughs> that, that kind of like shows she's even still alive yeah <laughs> i keep thinking at some point we'll uh you know we'll hear from her again but uh the time is just ticking by yeah we'll see there has been a notice uh, noticeable swing of uh, opinion i noticed um over the because of this where people are now starting to think more that there's a chance of her coming back um which is opening a new can of worms which a lot of people are it's causing arguments again, which is completely unnecessary. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just that little glimmer of uh, hope is uh, has been reignited all of a sudden. So you, when you say coming back, you mean rejoining Baby Metal? Rejoining Baby Metal? Yeah, they, the, 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 yeah. The speculation is that she she went off to university to study, get a degree, and then she's going to come back. Um, seems to be quite a popular opinion now. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> people will be people i suppose i know <laughs> yeah yes no no comment <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i guess uh like she wouldn't be done with the university by now <laughs> right if she yeah. started if that's what she was doing no i wouldn't think so I, I i believe i believe it is the case that people who are in university are able to watch live streams so yes yeah <laughs> That 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 all tracks at least. <laughs> but yeah, no, it is. It's interesting to hear about her from someone uh, that that would know. So mm-hmm. I do hope that we do. You know that she does re-enter public life at some point. Okay, so let's see. Is there is there anything else? What's the Spotify news? I didn't put that in here. Yeah, it's not news so much as <laughs> they pass six hundred thousand followers on Spotify. That's it. All right. They also released a new um, playlist as well for Legend M, I think it was. They did, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, they did. But it's just uh, it's just the songs in their album form arranged yeah. in the playlist order. Or oh, if only they were the live versions. Right. You can but dream. Cool. <laughs> well, at least you guys have uh, in the UK. You have Wembley. I think the live versions on Spotify streaming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah, we don't get yeah, that over here. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Whoa, <laughs> that's really weird. Yeah, the only live on Spotify we have is uh, I think uh, Budokan. Budokan, yeah. Mm. I think I don't know if we have that either. Actually, I'm do not we? sure. I'm having a look. No. Oh, yes, we do. Yeah, we do have Budokan. Yeah, we do. Okay. So, do you think we will get the um, Legend Metal Galaxy? Um, live on there. Mm. Oh, that's, that's a tough one. I don't think so. Well, do you have Tokyo Dome? No. No. Do you? I have no idea. No, we don't. <laughs> <Every Spotify>. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> it's, like, it's like top you can, trumps. <laughs> you can buy those on like iTunes, but the street, the free streaming services. Yeah. yeah. No, we don't. Yeah, they're on. They're on iTunes, yeah, but not Spotify. I guess the reason I asked was, was I was just thinking that um, I think of them as sort of analogs, so. Whatever they did with Tokyo Dome might be what they would do with Legend Metal Galaxy. Hmm. But I don't know. It's it's never all that successful to try to to try to guess what they're gonna do. <laughs> no, you should have the forum, definitely though. That should be on there. Maybe someday. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's the the forum is funny. I really wish I liked it more in some way. Like it's it's sort of slotted in in a weird position because it was kind of followed by bigger shows. <laughs> right. I've always kind of looked at the forum as not being able to compare it to Wembley because you got most of um, Metal Resistance at Wembley, right? We didn't get that at the forum. We got, yeah. we got Dada Dance and Shine and then the rest of the stuff they've been playing all tour. I, I think you can you yeah, can really exactly. only compare Wembley to uh, Legend Metal Galaxy. I think that to me is kind of the, the more accurate launch concert for the album. Mm. Mm-hmm. But even just as a spectacle, I mean, it, it's um, the degree to which we are, were impressed at how big the screen was, you know, was kind of immediately yeah. <laughs> tanked as all the screens got bigger and bigger and bigger right. and all the future shows. And, yeah. Um, I guess I listened to it a fair bit. I, I like it because I was there, but uh, that's about it. <laughs> were we all there? No, I guess, uh, Toby, you weren't there. I was not, no, unfortunately. Although I did actually see it for the first time just a few days ago, actually. Oh, what, what did you think? Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, so just to give people who are listening uh, some context, um, as I'll explain later, I've, I'm kind of late to the show regarding uh, live baby metal shows. I have this weird thing where I refuse to watch them, even though I can access them on the Pro Shot spreadsheet. Um, I would much rather wait until I own the DeLorean and then watch it in the comfort of my own home. Um, mm-hmm. So... I've gradually been sort of as I've obtained them, I've been watching them, and yeah, I finally got to watch the uh, the forum show. I think it was last weekend actually. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I kind of wish I was there. It was good to. There were so many people that I recognised in the crowd, and uh, yeah, it was really funny. I was on Twitter <laughs> going, "Eric, is this you? Logan, is that you? Oh my god, it's Callie and <laughs> Lily, and everyone's here!" Like, <laughs> it just felt like a uh, like yeah. almost like a family reunion. It was really, it was an odd experience going from. You know, Legend S and uh, Wembley, and um, you know all the other all the other older ones, and then seeing this, where there are people that I know in that crowd and are right there on screen in front of me, it was quite a it made it um, some next level experience for sure. 
<laughs> yeah, that is pretty funny, actually. Like, you know, being able to point to this and saying, oh, look, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is the person, you know, like, I, I know this person and this person and this person. Um, yeah, uh, Nemo uh, in the in the chat um, was in there a lot, actually, because he was standing right a by lot. the, uh, uh, like, this sort of like the fan camera spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it kept yeah. panning by him. At the show, I was sitting in one of the side spots and and one that the camera was rarely pointed at. So it's really hard to, to see me. <laughs> um, and Kevin, I don't think you showed up um, on the big screen when we were there, but I don't remember seeing you in the in the actual Blu-ray. Did you find yourself in there? Yeah, no, I'm not on the Blu-ray, but you're right. I did end up on the big screen inside. Yeah. I guess I wasn't in Blu-ray form. They yeah. were saving you they for were, yes. Metal Galaxy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it is sort of funny how it's, how it's, you know, a small enough group <laughs> that we can, that we actually like recognize people in the, in the audience. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, and of course we're always the ones in the, in the front or whatever. So, <laughs> <laughs> So did you? What did you think of the the show apart from just like the fans and stuff? Um, so I, I really like the uh, the audio quality. I thought that the mixing was really good. Uh, Sue's vocals were really clear and and uh, crisp. But Moa was was the standout for me because I could really hear her very well. Um, sometimes they kind of bury it, and her vocals get a bit muddied. But there was a I noticed there was a lot of um facial expressions that Sue was doing that I hadn't quite seen before. Maybe it's because mm. I've not seen them that close on on previous live shots or or whatever but it was uh, she seemed to just be like everything she was saying she was feeling you could see the emotions of the words were etched on her face and i i, I don't know quite if i'm articulating this correctly but um it felt like a, 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 just a magnificent performance from her and yeah it's my my favorite version of shine like shine is my uh, sorry starlight is my uh, favorite baby metal song so again to see that was uh yeah spectacular it was uh, just an audio and also like I on the podcast uh, discord general chat um, I go in there mm-hmm. and I complain a lot about like the rapid editing of uh, particularly of the most recent um, pro shots uh, but this mm-hmm. one there was something about the, the way that the camera angles and the camera uh, like the, the shot, uh, shot selection uh, it kind of worked in its favor it, only in some parts but it had like a kinetic energy to it that I really appreciated it made the music have a bit more I don't know impact, but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I enjoyed it. I'm really looking forward to Legend Metal Galaxy, though. Mm-hmm. It felt like a little, like a a, a nice bridge, like uh, it's, it's the access drug to uh, what's coming next, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would. Uh, so I suppose you have have you have not watched Legend any of Legend Metal Galaxy yet, right? Uh, I did watch it on my phone and because it was on a very small screen and the screen that is behind the girls was absolutely gigantic. It was basically, I may have been watching ants just performing in front of a strobe light. Like I just couldn't <laughs> see what was going on. Uh, so yeah, when, when I get the Blu-ray, I can't wait to see that on my big television, but I did see that. And um, yeah, there's a lot of highlights in there that I kind of wish I'd, I kind of regret seeing them on the, the wow, wow performance. Mm. Um, Cause I would have liked to have experienced that first time around but of course we've got bmc to look forward to so you know i haven't been deprived of everything yet but that show it seems like both nights but maybe for me i think the second night is a real sort of example of uh like over enthusiastic camera cutting Mm. (laughs) oh absolutely yeah 
in, in terms of the the, the camera uh, stuff like it, it was re- almost unwatchable for me it was yeah. like they it was like some they gave someone 10 monkeys riddled with add and threw skittles in there and said eat as much of this as you want and just get cutting and they just went <laughs> had, they tore it to shreds like just give us something that lingers on the choreography give us something that give us a give us a close up that we can feel the the performance more and it's it's depriving you that and you, the the kami band as well were almost non-existent um Mm-hmm. So yeah, it would, it would be nice to just have more of a, I don't know, a, a look at everything. It's just so quick. So that's one thing that the forum might have done a little better. Also, the um, yeah. this this new one, the the um, world tour in Japan, I found to be better in that respect. That it, it wasn't quite as it wasn't. I haven't watched it very much, but uh, they edited it a lot better. Having now seen that, how do you feel about that one? Because I know at the time it was kind of received a lukewarm reception when they announced it. Oh yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it, it it seemed superfluous, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, as a as a thing to release, but uh, anyway, okay. So there ends the news item. Six hundred thousand followers on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> Quick note that turned into a five minute discussion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so maybe we can move on to uh, the actual sort of topic of the. Uh, episode, which is to to talk with Toby a little bit about uh, his story, basically like uh, how he how he got to baby metal, what the effect of baby metal was on his life, basically. <laughs> so you're pretty new to the fandom in the community. I think you joined yeah. our server maybe what like only maybe like six months ago or something like that. Yeah, something like uh, that. I think I showed up just before the uh, European tour. Yeah, and we learned pretty quickly that Toby has a really kind of just incredible story and i thought it was worth telling um and i hope maybe everybody will agree with me once we kind of get going here and, and kind of see where he's been and what's been going on because um, i think it really speaks to the power of music and how yeah. it can have a positive effect on people's lives um so you know it's 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 not just having a you know a random fan who showed up in our discord server come talk to us for <laughs> a little right. bit um I think he's got a really amazing story, um, and I hope we kind of do it justice here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It was uh, it was quite interesting because Kevin said, "Hey, uh, the way you talk about your past and your your history with the band and stuff, it's really interesting. Could you just send us over a couple of notes just to kind of give us an overview of the story <laughs> so far?" I was like, "Oh, sure, yeah, just a couple of notes." Uh, they received a phone book worth of, <laughs> yeah. of text. <laughs> I, I really, and that was like the truncated version. I tried to keep it as short and sweet as possible, but like you can tell when I talk, I just ramble and my fingers ramble for me. So yeah, it's uh, a, <laughs> yeah. it's seven pages in our Google doc. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. We get to start with um, your beginnings, you know, your sort of uh, early home and school life and see where it goes. <laughs> we yeah. can, we can prompt you along the way, but I think you, you, you know the story as well as we do here. So, um, yeah, well, it all started when I was born as a baby. Um, (laughs) (laughs) we're going that far back. (laughs) So I'm, uh, the oldest child of two. Um, when I was nine, my brother who's seven, um, he had uh, brain cancer. Uh, It was a very rare kind of, uh, tumor. Um, there was, uh, basically the, conditions of him surviving any kind of operation were slim to none and uh he went through it and came out of it and he's still alive today he's one of the longest surviving patients of that condition 
Um, wow. But it left him with uh, some sort of minor brain damage, let's say, um, which meant that uh, my parents' attention was constantly on him. Um, mm -hmm. So while all that's going on, my the, my parents had split up when I was a child. So uh, my dad had remarried to a woman who was uh, slowly dying from multiple sclerosis. And uh, my mother had remarried to a guy who was not particularly pleasant to me, let's say. Um, so I kind of escaped into my own world, if you will. I, I had like a few friends at school where we would play Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and, uh, I would watch things like the Ninja Turtles. Like that was my favorite cartoon growing up. Um, <laughs> like I, I've kind of modeled my life on them a little bit. So Leonardo, he always had a plan. He always thought things through. Uh, Donatello would use his words instead of his fists. Raphael was always fierce, uh, fiercely loyal to a fault for the people he loved. And, uh, Michelangelo never swept the small stuff. He would always find the silver linings in any bad situation. So these kinds of, influences on me as a child have created this person who has like, this huge imagination and a lot of uh kind of determination to see what life can can throw at him because from a young age i was already having a lot of challenges given to me and for better or worse i've kind of just grabbed them and wrestled with them to the best of my ability to see if i could overcome with them and some of them uh, they've had a longer lasting impact than I would like. So for example, when I was in school, I went to school as a child um, in a very small village. Everyone knew everyone. Uh, we would all go to each other's houses after school. The parents would always hang out at barbecues on weekends, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but then when I went to uh, secondary school or high school, I guess in America, mm -hmm. I was from this village and this was in the city. And everyone who was in my year, they went to these two uh, younger schools where they would do like inter-school sports events and things like that. So everyone knew everyone there, but I was this weird anomaly that was drifting through the halls. I'm six foot th uh, four. Um, at the time I was maybe six, two, six, three. So I was absolutely gigantic. So for wow. the first six months, no one would talk to me because they were terrified of me. Um, yes. and then, uh, one day just some kid decided to push me up against the wall. And because I'm relatively peaceful, I just didn't react. And he thought, oh, the big guy won't swing at me. So he punched me and uh, I took it. And then he was like, okay, from now on, you're at the top of my hit list. So uh, he basically made my life a living hell for uh, several years until I decided um, it was the first year of GCSEs, um, which is our uh, kind of like high school diplomas. Um, I think that's what you call them in America. It's basically like mm -hmm. the final exams that get you into college, university and right. stuff like that. Um and yeah, I, I basically was like, okay, things at home are not great. Things at school are not great. Um, I basically just need to get out of here because I'm probably not going to survive like either by my own hand or something is going to like, it was getting to the point where people were pulling knives on me and stuff like things were just getting wow. really dangerous at school. So, uh, I just decided to bounce and, um, at the age of 15, I just immediately, I don't know how, I can't even remember now how I got the job, but. Uh, I went straight into work and um, pretty much have not stopped since, apart from, as you'll hear later, a, a hideous uh, period of unemployment. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was uh, that was basically my my teen years, or at least the beginning of my teen years, was spent just trying to put up with all this stuff around me that I had no, or felt at the time, I had no power or influence over um, in terms of being able to prevent it from happening to me. 
so it left me very um insecure um i had no self-esteem no self-confidence um but i always had my imagination so i was always happiest when i was with my friends playing video games or comic books or i would always be writing stories or playing dungeons and dragons as i said and yeah that just kind of opened my mind to things that have a theatrical nature let's say sure um Mm -hmm. so yeah that was uh, the beginnings of it so baby metal wasn't the first group you kind of latched on to do you want to talk about kind of your first big influence uh sure yeah um in 1997 um an album uh was released in america that got a lot of uh media attention because it was a uh, band that was quote unquote controversial and the record label was owned by disney so um island records uh picked up the album because disney uh, pulled it off shelves after six hours of being on release and they released it internationally but also globally Mm. Um, and that's how uh, the Insane Clown Posse came into my life. Um, now, I'm expecting the chat room right now to fall about laughing. But um, <laughs> yeah. their, their music is, uh, on face value, it's very difficult to, uh, to, to even hit the play button on it because they rap almost exclusively about uh, serial killers, um, violence, gang life, uh, street life. Um, and basically just lots of, uh, upsetting content. They're a horrorcore artist. So mm-hmm. they make, um, mm-hmm. what could be the equivalent of a horror movie in rap music form. Um, mm-hmm. and at first I was really into horror movies, um, as a child or well, not necessarily as a child, but definitely as a teenager. And the music was, I was drawn in by the, sort of violent content, but I was taking it on a theatrical basis. Um, and almost immediately I could see behind the words that, um, there was actually a, a, a very strong positive message behind it. Again, laugh all you want in the chat mm-hmm. room, but it's there. Um, <laughs> the, the message is basically one of, um, if you're someone who, feels they're alone because they're being oppressed or they're bullied or you feel like you don't people the world doesn't understand you basically the what the music of insane clown posse is attempting to pull all these unique people together and show you that you're not alone they call their fan base juggalos um juggalos are very strange let's say <laughs> They're, uh, they're, they've got, I like to say they've got a, a heart of gold, but a nickel brain. Like they basically, for the, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking out of school here. Um, but yeah, a lot of them, a lot of them look at the face value of the ICP stuff. So the violence, the, uh, reckless behavior and all that kind of stuff. And they take that to heart and they revel in it and they celebrate it. And it's mm. sometimes great. Some of it can go very, very badly. I think, I think genuinely deep down, everyone is a good person. Uh, we all accept people into the fan base with open arms and, and make them feel loved. And, um, you know, we, we all share this, this love of music. And that's something that really resonated within me. It was like, okay, I don't feel alone anymore because there's other people around the world who are going through the same things or even worse things than I am. But we all love this music and this music is drawing us together. And that's something that's really quite special. So, uh, yeah, uh, that, kind of got the ball rolling of I would say my first introduction to ICP was when I entered a cocoon and then a couple of years later 
when I left the UK, that when that was when I came out of the cocoon and uh, became this beautiful but horrific, morbidly <laughs> obese butterfly <laughs> that is talking yeah. right now. Yeah, so I guess we should talk about that. So you you dropped out of school, you find ICP, you kind of latch onto that message and kind of get into the deeper meaning of it. Um, you're working yeah. at this point, but you decide to go on a two week vacation to Amsterdam. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I, I always say that I went to Amsterdam when I was 18 for a two week holiday and I came back when I was 30. Um, basically I was just, uh, at the time, I think I was working in a restaurant and, um, I just hated my job. I hated, uh, having to deal with, uh, grumpy customers. Um, I've always hated having to deal with, um, you know, staff who also can't stand being there. So they take it out on you when you're in the staff room, let's say. Mm -hmm. Um, and a friend of mine was living in Holland at the time and he's like, come on over. We'll do, you know, a two week holiday. Um, and you, you just, just hit the reset button, like come and chill out and all that kind of stuff. Now I will say straight away, I am not into marijuana. Um, which everyone <laughs> assumes, Oh, he just went there and smoked for 12 years. It's like, no, that, <laughs> I swear that did not happen. Like, there, there is a lot more to that country than, than just that. Um, <laughs> it's funny. It hadn't actually occurred to me at all. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Marijuana and the color orange. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it was quite, uh, an eye opening experience really. It was, um, how to describe it. So basically when, when you, when you live in your own country, you are subjected to a media bias that that country wants to portray about themselves whether it's you know there's an enemy outside and they're trying to attack us from within or uh this is our way of life so this is the way it should be it's superior to that over there um this kind of thing uh when you are taken out of that environment for an extended period of time um you suddenly become aware that you've been living in a bubble um and you're able to suddenly look inside that bubble but from the safety of being outside of it um, and you can start to see cracks in that picture and you start to, your mind starts to open to other things. So that is our way of life over here. But what they're doing over here is kind of interesting. Is there a way that I can incorporate this and incorporate that and then put them together into my own way? Or my social circle has this opinion or this path of thinking to handle these kinds of situations. Whereas these guys over here, they're talking about something really interesting about something that would never occur to me. Maybe I should listen to them and then I could feed that back to these guys. And suddenly like that, you, you realize that there's just this huge world out there that's beyond your front door and you can assimilate as much of that or as little of that as you like into your life. And, uh, I just was addicted to it. I wanted to feed on it. And, um, I happened after two weeks, uh, my friend said, well, do you want to go back with some money because we need someone to come into the office and do some data entry for six weeks. And I didn't have anything to do. So I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Hmm. So I went in and then six weeks became nine months and then nine months became years. And then that friend had left. Um, and then they had moved into another, uh, devil worshiping mega conglomerate and said, <laughs> Hey, uh, <laughs> I know that you're kind of, looking for work again, or you're at least bored where you are. Do you want to come join me over here for a few weeks? I was like, okay, yeah, a few weeks. I've got nothing to do. So I went over there and then a few weeks turned into a permanent contract. And then I was there for five years. Um, where's there? I was pretty much, sorry. 
Where's there? Uh, there was. Okay. Oh, so okay. the 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 first company was, uh, which was uh, at the time probably second only to Microsoft in terms of their uh, networking uh, abilities in the nascent days of the internet. And then yeah, I'm, I went to uh, Sports Giant, which was completely bizarre because I really. I am not a sports person whatsoever. I have worked in the sports industry. <laughs> I, I've been a ring a ring announcer for a local wrestling promotion for a couple of years. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, when I went, to, I didn't have a clue what anyone like Christian Ronaldo came in. He's like one of the biggest soccer players. Yeah. I had no idea who that guy was. Um, <laughs> they, that probably uh, doesn't happen to him very often. <laughs> no, exactly. I, I, I have a picture with Paula Radcliffe. I didn't know who she was. Like, I just, people like, get a picture with Paula. I was like, who's Paula? And they're like, just go, go, go. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, I did know who Roger Federer was. Um, and I shoved a camera in his face. So I, was, uh, I started a YouTube channel back in, way back in 2007, when uh, YouTube was just kind of becoming a thing. Uh, and I shoved my video camera in his face. I was like, can you say you're watching the Toby Two Dope show? Because that was what I was trying to do on YouTube. And he went, the what kind of show? I was like, the Toby Two Dope show. <laughs> and he went, uh, the Toby Two Hope show. I was like, that's close enough. And I just ran away. And you can hear me on camera giggling like a schoolgirl. Like the cat that got the cream. Because <laughs> a famous person recognized me. And I was going to put it all over the internet. Uh, nothing ever came of it, though. But yeah, working was fun. I uh, it, was, it was interesting because for the first time... Uh, it was where every, everyone was kind of corporate there, but as a work culture where you can wear sports clothes or basically do your own thing mm. just so long as you get the work done. And mm -hmm. uh, I got so proficient at my job that I was able to do all of my work and the work of two colleagues who were absent because they were sick or on holiday or anything like that. Um, in an eight day, uh, an eight hour working day, I would get it done within about three hours. And then I would just walk to the coffee shop, get a coffee and then just walk around the entire campus saying hello to people. And people are like, there's that Toby kid. Why is he away from his desk? And then my manager would just quickly <laughs> run a report and be like, look, I can't do anything. His output is like three times that of everyone else on this team. Like he's, uh, he's earned that coffee break. If he wants to take five hours taking it, fine. You know, just, we need to keep him sweet. Um, and it was, it was kind of nice because I was, I was still kind of young at the time. I was like in my early twenties. So uh, people just thought I was this weird little uh, little anomaly, like a kind of uh, like the office pet almost. Like people go, oh, uh -huh. Toby, hi, how are you doing? And all this kind of stuff. So was this still in the Netherlands or were you back in the UK at this point? No, no, this was uh, still in uh, the Netherlands. Um, okay. But it, it was a bit of a party. But then in 2009, they decided that they were going to decentralize my whole department, which was, I think, 83 different employees at the time. I was responsible for the territories of France and Austria. Um, and they said, okay, we can offer you a severance package or you can move with the job back to the country or you can find something else within. I was like, okay, I'll take the severance package, please. And they're like, that's going to be a significant amount of money. We would rather you don't do that. So I said, okay, I'll move with the job. I'll move with the job to another country, please. And they're like, that will also cost us a lot of money. We would rather you don't do that, please. So I said, okay, wow. uh, I guess I'll look for something else here. And, uh, I couldn't find anything. I, I just did not want to, to do anything there. And I was, I've, like I said, I've been, I was only supposed to be there for two weeks. And at this point, I think I've been there for nine years. Um, and I was just like, okay, where, where do I go from here? Do I go back to the UK? Do I see where the next adventure will be? Like, 
what do I do? Um, and then there was, I don't want to go into it because it's way off topic, but uh, there was basically some legal shenanigans that they tried to screw a lot of people out of uh, money that they should have been owed in their severance package. Um, and I rumbled it and said, this is not fair. And then they said, okay, well, you're right. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll give you a golden handshake basically to go quietly. And then at that point, my um, friend, he uh, he said, you know, you've always been making like movies with your camera and stuff since you were a kid. You've got all these crazy VHS tapes of, uh, you know, you as a teenager and your mum's Indiana Jones and you are the boulder rolling above, rolling down the hill behind <laughs> her and all this kind of stuff. Um, like, why don't you take that money you just made and, and start a film studio? And um, I was like, mm, all right, I've got nothing else to do. So, uh, yeah, I uh, ended up at the uh, Chamber of Commerce and an hour later and some scribbling on some forms, I was in charge of a film studio. It was crazy. <laughs> well, what was it like pivoting from uh, corporate life to kind of running your own business? So first of all, I was way out of my league. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. So uh-huh. I made a lot of, um, let's say, uh, critical errors. <laughs> I was doing lots of cool stuff. I was able to travel the world. I did uh, a lot of travel documentaries. So I went to uh, America, to Canada, New Zealand, Kenya, um, wow. Singapore, all over Europe. Um, like I, I had a blast doing it. I was also doing uh, things like corporate coverage and music videos for local bands. And uh, there was a film school that was just down the road from me as well. So I'd go along and either rent them my equipment or just show up on set and just help out in any way that I could. Mm-hmm. Um, I never went to film school. I learned, and this is before the internet, but I just would get books on anything I could about filmmaking and try and figure out how to do it with no money. Sure. And uh, for the most, so I was always down the uh, DIY store with uh, pocket money to make, you know, camera rigs. And, uh, you know, I'd go to the makeup counter and do like special effects makeup using, you know, chin putty and, and all kinds of crazy stuff. So I learned how to edit with two VCRs um, before I got an iMac that did it for me. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of creative output. But at the same time, it was very, very difficult for me to keep things going let's say as soon as money would come in i wouldn't squirrel it away or save it i would invest immediately in other mm. you know equipment and then i would use that on the next project whereas what i should have done is stick to my roots and instead just spend a few pennies on bits of wood to make that bit of technology and then if it broke i could just go and build a new one in five minutes but if sure. i was spending nine grand on a you know steady cam rig and then that broke, I would have to wait weeks or shut down production entirely on a project just to, you know, get that bit of equipment back. So, um, yeah, I was, I was naive. And, uh, after a few years, it didn't help as well that, um, I think it was in 2011, the Dutch government changed, I think it was. And, uh, basically they slashed the funding for the arts and I thought, okay, mm. if they're not going to give a Dutch person any money for their film projects, they're definitely not going to give me about and lander is basically the dutch version the gaijin um right. they're not going to give me any money so what do i do here um and that was when i decided in in 2012 in uh, january i came back for my 30th birthday and um i saw a lot of friends and family and it was a great night but everyone was saying you know when are you coming back and I, it kind of dawned on me that even though i'd been over there for 12 years and um you know having this great time and this this great life um people over here kind of were still thinking well he's been on holiday for a long time isn't he back now like people were confused (laughs) by that um 
And a lot of people said, you know, we'll stick by you. You know, if you come back, we'll, we'll get you on your feet. We'll put you up and all that kind of stuff. So that, that kind of convinced me to come back to the UK. And that was when I realized to my horror that what people say may not be what they mean. Mm. So after 12 years in Holland, you go back for your 30th birthday and you decide to stay. Yeah. What, what was that like? Were you able to find work? This, this is where the, the, the story takes a dark turn. So basically... I came back and uh, I was able to pay nine months rent up front for my, for my apartment. And I figured, okay, I'll be able to, um, basically I'll, I'll just walk into any job. I have all this corporate experience. I have all these transferable skills from filmmaking. So as a producer, I learned how to like budget projects and, uh, deliver to, you know, on time as a director, I learned how to micromanage people and, and all that kind of thing, be a team player. So I had like all this, life experience um but upon reappearing in the uk the only thing that they wanted to see was my academic achievement and uh, mm. obviously i left the school at the age of 15 and i didn't have any so they would right. look at my cv and they're like okay we don't understand how you got all this experience but we can't just put you into these roles because you don't have the basically the credibility and i was like credibility like look at these companies that are on this cv right. look at all this stuff i've done um, and they were like, yeah, we're really sorry, but you can't do it. And then I kind of slipped through the cracks. So I was in a gray area where I was woefully overqualified for, you know, kind of the, 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 the entry level jobs, but for the management positions and stuff, I needed those on a few days as they were, and I just couldn't provide them. So I rapidly discovered that the UK job market was not ready for Toby Hagen. It's because they were looking for a degree basically at this point, your GCSEs and university time yeah and um I'm, I'm sure Callie will be able to tell you as well like the uk has a very very strong uh people people love media here like people want to go into tv they want to go into filmmaking all that kind of stuff so there's a lot of people that choose to study uh film uh film school and that kind of thing uh in in mm. the their their upper education yeah it makes it more difficult for people who haven't studied to get to get into that kind of line of work sure. exactly so I, I don't mm. have, I, I, I have the portfolio of work to show, but it's all made on bits of wood. It's not made on this proper technology that the film schools could have provided or the other guys who had the qualifications. So I wasn't even yeah. able to, to parlay that experience into creative work because they're like, okay, well, we like what you did here, but then this guy has shown that he's gone to university for three years and got his degree in it and he can hold a camera properly. So right. it was, very, very difficult, uh, to find any kind of creative work, uh, very, very difficult to find any kind of corporate work. And, uh, eventually I just ended up having to make ends meet. So my money was running low. So I was like, okay, I will sell what have I got that can sell. I've got all these limited edition DVDs. Um, let's get rid of those. So that bought me like a, an additional month's worth of food. And then I was like, mm -hmm. okay, now I have, um, a ton of, uh, like I, 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 like I said earlier, I was like massively into video games since I was a kid. Uh, and I kept every single console as I got older. Um, so I oh, had wow. amassed this, in, this in, incredible, like retro game collection. Um, that all got sold off to uh, a guy who actually, he owns a, a bar, like a local live music venue. So mm. I can go in there. He said, like, if you ever want to come by, you can play any of these whenever you want because he set up, he had an old cafe that he wanted to get rid of. And he basically turned it into a retro video game arcade. Oh, so cool. uh, you can pop in there and play play whatever you like. 
Well, that's kind of nice. So you actually could visit your collection even if you didn't have it still. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, but uh, that that went, and then I ended up having to sell a lot of my filmmaking equipment, and then basically I ended up like effectively having like mounting bills, uh, unpaid council taxes. Um, I couldn't afford the rent anymore. I could barely afford any food and I had nothing to my name, like everything I'd earned from the crazy 12 years abroad had, had basically all just evaporated around me. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, uh, pretty bad, uh, to say the least. So what are your options at this point? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's one of those things where, like I said, like if you've experienced hardships when you're younger, you're kind of prepared for these kind of things in a weird way. So when, when the bottom falls out from beneath you and you suddenly find yourself in free fall, um, you're, you, you, the, the panic kind of goes on the back burner and you, you start thinking critically, okay, how do I get out of this situation? How am I going to overcome? you know, all these things that I need and I don't have them. How do I get them? Uh, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, so basically I just threw everything I could into storage, at uh, my friends and at my dad's, uh, garages. Um, mm-hmm. and then I had like this huge, basically it was a travel bag. Um, but it was just big enough that I could put, um, like a couple of suits, a couple of pairs of shoes, some shirts, some casual wear, um, and then I could fit my iMac uh, screen down just on top of it, um, along with my studio mic, and uh, and that was about it. I, I basically had uh, my iMac, so I could wherever I ended up, I'd be able to plug it all in and uh, try and find work online, or at least stay communicating with uh, people via Facebook and social media, just so that they knew where I was, because a lot of people were worrying. But all those people who said, you know, if you come back, we'll put you up and stuff like that very quickly was became not the case so um yeah suddenly i just found myself living on the streets with uh, with a bag full of uh clothing and an imac it was uh yeah holy crap so you're basically just you're homeless at this point you have a suitcase full of clothes and an imac yeah uh, trying to figure out how to get back on your feet yeah i mean i don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, my hometown milton Keynes. But it was a city that was designed with uh, the future in mind. So it's it's uh, kind of like a grid system. And then within those grids are uh, individual housing estates that have their own doctors and surgery, their own shops, their own uh, community center, all this kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of parks um, in those areas. But to navigate your way around the city, um, it was designed for the car, which is why they have this grid system with all these mm-hmm. gigantic uh, like two or three lane roads. Um, but, uh, they also wanted people who had like bicycles, they, they kind of made it with, uh, health and fitness in mind. So they created this huge elaborate network of, uh, cycle paths and to prevent accidents, these cycle paths go under the, uh, the main roads. So there's a ton of underpasses and, uh, little nooks and crannies for anyone with a uh, bag full of clothing and an iMac to make home and, uh, mm basically just hide away under it but i had to drag that bag it weighed a ton and i was dragging around everywhere it was uh fortunately it had wheels on it but still and yeah you get like drunk people walking by at uh, three in the morning and you're, you're basically trying to hide in the bushes and hope they don't see you and all that kind of stuff it, it was really uh intense to say the least <laughs> yeah i can't even imagine how that feels yeah i would imagine that it would be pretty um tense 
trying to guard the iMac too, because it, it feels like a little bit of valuable stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't even just the monetary value of the of the technology. It was it was literally the the last shred of my life as it as it was. Um, mm-hmm. I had all my my film projects were all saved on the hard drive. All my music projects uh, we haven't talked about my music yet, but we'll get there in a second. Um, it was it basically anything that was me i felt was all saved onto this machine and that machine almost became if if i was rick grimes in the walking dead like my imac was carl like i was basically just trying to defend it <laughs> from walkers and from crazy hillbillies and yeah it was quite the experience just uh trying to make sure that i had it within my sight at all times right yeah. now, did you have a cell phone or anything too yeah so i had a, a a cell phone and i can't even remember what kind it was but it was the first uh just before i left uh holland i had a blueberry mm-hmm. which had like the little clicky clacky uh keyboard on it and then when i got back to my uh, back to my country when i got back to the uk uh, a friend of mine was like oh here you can try this i was like what is this he's like this this is an android and i'm like what's an android <laughs> and i had to basically <laughs> i don't know if you've seen jane silent bob strike back but there's a line where he's like what the fox is the internet um, and, uh, yeah, it, it was literally that, like he had to explain to me how a touchscreen worked and how to get on the internet and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, this is the future. And he's like, don't get excited. It's a really crappy phone. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so yeah, he, uh, he helped me a lot there. He, he was able to get me a, a small data plan and, uh, get me that, that little contract thing. And he's like, whenever, you, whenever you've got money, just pay me back what you can for the, the phone bill. But it, it was very insignificant like it, it didn't matter much um but yeah he, he was one of the guys who uh who helped me with uh putting my stuff away in his uh in his garage and stuff and when, when i could i would be able to stay over at his place but he had you know two children uh one of them was was fresh out of the oven as well so it was difficult for me to <laughs> basically just be in that environment right right so in the Help me understand the timeline. It's, it sounds like in what, like a year or so, you went from living in Holland, starting your own film production studio, moving yeah. home, and then like a year or so goes by, and suddenly you're living on the street. Yeah, that's that's pretty much. It may have even been a bit quicker. Let's see. I moved back on the fourth of June, two thousand twelve, and I think it was April May, twenty thirteen. That I was I was pretty much just bouncing around on people's couches or hiding wow. under underpasses so wow. um it was trying times for sure what was the what was the hardest part about being homeless i mean I, like i said i'm a large guy so being hungry wasn't actually a, a, a worry about that like my body can is designed to feed itself <laughs> I've, I've got a lot of uh, <laughs> weight to shift but yeah it was probably just the perpetual fear of at any moment like someone could just come pouncing out of the shadows and take your life and mm. there's nothing you can do to stop it. I, I like I said, like I was very protective of my iMac, but mm. I would rather throw that to them and say, "Take this and leave," than you know, have uh, have someone do something hideous to me and leave, leave my body in the bushes. Like that's no fun. Yeah, of course. So um, right. it was very difficult to. I mean, you you all, the other thing as well is you almost are when you sleep, you're not asleep. Like you've that expression, mm. like sleep with one eye open. It is almost mm-hmm. like that. Like you, you're basically your eyes are closed, but you develop like Wolverine. You get like these heightened senses where you just hear a, a, a snap of a twig somewhere five miles away. And you're like, what was that? What is that? Like you're just right. expecting ninjas to attack you all of a sudden. Like it's, uh, 
yeah, you, you, your your body is just perpetually tensed up um, because you just don't know what's going to happen at any given right. moment and you need to be ready for it. Um, and like I said, when I was in high school, to this day, I have never swung my fist to injure someone. I've never hurt anyone. I draw the line of mosquitoes, like I'll take a mosquito out, but anything <laughs> else, like... <laughs> But yeah, I, I just don't want to hurt anyone or anything. And I know that, unfortunately, we are in a world where there are these things that do want to hurt you, um, largely through no fault of their own. Um, right. we'll, we'll come to that again later. Um, but yeah, it's, it is dangerous when, when you don't have those cringe comforts and those defenses of four walls around you that are yours. Right. So you're homeless. You have your iMac. You have a cell phone, mm -hmm. you're couch surfing, sleeping on the street yeah. with one eye open. Sleeping on the street. And you start an internet radio show? <laughs> so yeah, I do need to uh, Tarantino this a little bit and go back <laughs> to uh, to Holland because I need to introduce a uh, another personality of mine. So in 2010, I was working on this uh, low-budget horror movie and uh, there was a young guy who... Uh, he was the sound guy who would hold the boom mic and um, we were rapping and we were going to have a rap party. He's like, oh, I can't be here. I've got a uh, band rehearsal. I was like, you're in a band? What do you play? And he's like, oh, we do like Slipknot and Corn Covers. I was like, you do Slipknot and Corn Covers? Can I come? And he's like, yeah, but there's a rap party here. I was like, I know, but Slipknot and Corn Covers, like, I want to go. And he's like, okay. So uh, I, I joined him and he was 19. He just graduated from uh, a school in uh, Holland um, but the other guys in his band were 17 and 18. So they were still in the school. So, mm -hmm. uh, Robin his, uh, was this guy's name. He, he rocks up with this, I think I was 26 at the time, uh, this gigantic guy with a beard, doesn't speak a word of Dutch. Um, and he's like, hi guys, can I, can I come see your Slipknot and Corn covers, please? And then they're like, okay. So, um, they were doing it, but they didn't have a vocalist. And they were like, uh, could you sing some of these? I was like, uh, I've never tried, but sure. Um, and then, yeah, after, uh, just one night's jam session, they were like, well, we want to start a band with our own music. We have some tracks. Could you try and write some lyrics and sing? So drawing on my, you know, experience with Insane Clown Posse, I was like, okay, well, what if I create a, a, a persona, um, that can say things that I myself would not like to say, you know, uh, some, some aggressive lyrics or violent content, that kind of thing. And they're like, whatever, like we're, we're teenagers. We don't care. We just want to hang out and rock hard. So I was like, okay. So, um, yeah. So was born MC cryptid, uh, a cryptid. I don't know if you're familiar with this word, um, is a type of animal that is unsubstantiated by science. So things like unicorns or the Loch Ness monster, uh, the New Jersey devil, Bigfoot, like the Sasquatch, these are all cryptids. So I've always been really interested in those. Um, and I was like, okay, I love the theatrical stuff. So I'm going to go all out with this. So I started buying, um, colored contact lenses like red or white with red. Uh, I'd pop those in my eyes. And then even though it was just a two little bits of plastic that were over my eyeballs, like the, it was like a mask and I was able to come out of the shell, um, that had been given to me going through what I had as a child. Um, and just come out of it and, and write all kinds of crazy lyrics that try to be entertaining, try to be fun, uh, try to be shocking and horrific, but at the same time have a little bit of message in there as well. Um, and when I moved back to 
the UK full of hopes and dreams, I told my band, you know, this isn't the end. I'm just going to go over there. I'll get set up whenever we've got, you know, gigs and stuff. I should have the money to come back over and we can hang out on the weekends and not do gigs. So we're all up for it. But um, yeah, that very rapidly, as I just said, didn't happen. But uh, people still were interested in MC Cryptid. So mm-hmm. when I had that apartment for those nine months, I'd started to do like a, a an internet radio show called the MC Cryptid Show. And as soon as that kind of started to gain an audience, um, that was when I lost the apartment. Mm. So people were constantly on social media saying, when are you coming back? When is the MC Cryptid show? All this kind of stuff. So whenever I'd get to people's houses, um, it kind of became my my method of getting stability. Like like I said, my life was in free fall. But if I could stretch my arms and legs out and sort of wedge myself between the two walls of the hole... Uh, doing the MC Cryptid show was kind of like my way of not having any fear. And um, just for two hours while I was on the air, I was able to interact with people in the chat room mm-hmm. and have a great time with everyone. Yeah, that 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 was kind of what I ended up doing. So when I was at uh, people's houses, they would say, okay, here's the couch. You can you know stay for a day or two or a week or whatever you need. I was like, that's great. Um, have you got a counter I could set my iMac up on, please? And they're like, uh, okay. <laughs> and then they would go to bed and then I'd go online and then I'd just start broadcasting this thing. That was my uh, my little guiding light until something much better, bigger and important came along. And so what is the concept of the show? Is it is it uh, sort of music-based or is it talking? Or what was the content of the MC Cryptid show? So basically it was um, the original... Um, inception concept of it was um, I wanted to make a show where it was uh, an opportunity for me to goof around like kind of like a live YouTube show Um, Mm. it was an opportunity to play just music that I liked Um, but also I really appreciated that people were paying attention to it so I wanted to pay it forward so if anyone tuned in and they had uh, either their own band or they were a solo artist or they knew people who were local anything i could do to give those people a push and say okay we're going to play this track now i didn't care what the genre was because i love all kinds of different music so i said we will play this on the show and you can you know hopefully get an audience and people in the chat room would love it because they'll be like oh i really like this song i never thought i'd hear something like this and then you know then i'd get all these nice emails saying oh someone in the chat room by the way has just shared a uh youtube video for uh, a wrestling uh, channel that i used to be involved with i'll get to that later <laughs> thanks paul <laughs> so basically i was i was i was using it as a platform to give uh, independent artists uh, a way to to find a new audience um and this helped with because of social media there was a lot of people from around the world i was also playing a lot of japanese music because i've always been interested in japan uh, ever since I was a kid, I was obsessed with like Godzilla films and stuff and, and Power Rangers came <laughs> wow. along and anime as well. Uh, Akira mm-hmm. was a big film for me as a kid. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I was always interested in that kind of thing as well. So it was, it was a bit of a melting pot of comedy music and just chat basically, just, just giving people in the chat room a place to hang out on a whatever random night that I was broadcasting and, uh, let them, you know, just enjoy themselves and and i sense that we're slowly turning around into meeting baby metal <laughs> yes indeed because this is why we're here i've been talking for like an hour straight about 
all these elaborate backstories to get to this moment. Yeah, it's super interesting. It's fine. <laughs> so one of the one of the segments that I did on the show um, was basically I would get the chat room to uh, any requests that they had, I would play it for them. Um, but then I would request like a song that had like a music video that was completely ridiculous or um, lyrics that were completely nonsensical. Like basically it would just be an opportunity for me to play the song and then kind of like a reaction video people would see in real time me laughing or commenting or at the end I'd go on a big rant about how much that song sucked and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and one day a listener um, from Australia and uh, this was the, I think, the 27th of February, 2014. Um, he's like, oh, you play Japanese music? You should check this out. You'll, you'll love this. Like this, You're just going to tear this thing to shreds. So I was like, okay, drop the link. So he sent the link over. And then I opened it and up, up pops Baby Metal Gimme Chocolate. So... I waited for the song to that was currently playing finished. And I said, okay, right, it's time to mock this song. Uh, this is submitted by, I forget his name now, from Australia. Um, this looks like a brand new song. It's only been out a little while, but uh, this is a Japanese group called Baby Metal, and this is Give Me Chocolate. Click. And then the music video played. And I wish I could remember verbatim what happened, but I just remember being <laughs> transfixed and not saying a word. Um, I was just completely, I can't even describe it. I, I, it was like I was seeing a, a glimpse into a, another world. Like someone said, oh, here's mm -hmm. this, uh, did you know aliens exist? And this is there. Um, and I was like <laughs> the, the, the first scientist to discover this alien life. And I had to tell the world about it. So I sat there completely quiet. Um, I didn't, I, I was probably smiling like a complete idiot, but I didn't laugh. I didn't make any comments or didn't crit criticize it or anything. Um, and then the song ended. Uh, and uh, suddenly I realized there was nothing on the air. I was completely in silent. And I was like, oh, uh, uh, we're going to go again. And I just clicked play again <laughs> and, st and started the song. <laughs> and just like my eyes were like saucers. I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, and then, yeah, I let the song play through a second time. And then I uh, hit the pause button and I was like, I got nothing like baby metal is the greatest band i have ever seen and that was it that <laughs> that song became a staple for every single episode ever from that point on uh sometimes i play it twice i loved it so much it was one of those um right place right time right kind of moment kind of things uh and then i i discovered as well on their youtube channel they had like idz and uh, Headbanger and like all these other songs. And I was, every every new little taste that I got of the group, I was just like, this band is so amazing. Like how how could people look at this and think that this is something to ridicule? Like this is just so, It's it looks like three children are just having a blast and what could be more amazing than that? Like just, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, although I think it, it is sort of part of their image, I guess, to be at first sight something to ridicule and then deeper yeah <laughs> there's a shock uh attempt i guess that they're that they're going for but yeah yeah i mean i totally understand why people would point and laugh at it but for me it was it, I, I just couldn't see it from that angle like it was just um mm -hmm. it was just so f f refreshing is the only way i could describe it it was it was brand new and and 
uh, had that new that new toy smell when you rip something out of the packaging and you inhale it before you've actually touched it. It's um, or a new book, you know. It was it was I don't know. It was it was just an experience, and uh, yeah, they they've not failed to deliver on that experience. I can sort of identify with that idea that uh, it sort of reveals that there there can be new things, you know, like this mm. this hasn't been done before, and actually, it, you know, it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And while you're so while you're reveling in gimme chocolate doing your show, you're still homeless, right? You you don't know maybe where you're going to sleep the next day, right? Yeah. So yeah, I think most of us have some sort of experience of going down the foxhole and going through all this, and I'm sure it's very different for you so what what were your first couple of days like after after this person shared give me chocolate with you so after that i had the um like i said i had those three music videos and i was trying to find other stuff out about them um but everything was in japanese i couldn't understand right so it was um, very difficult for me to make sense of it i just knew that it was something that was uh, special to me and I wanted to um, just dive in as much as I could but obviously the situation in my life at that time prevented that kind of thing from happening I couldn't go to you know someone's house and just sit there for hours and hours reading everything and translating everything right. like I, I would have to find work and uh, find somewhere to sleep if I if I had nowhere to stay um, but yeah it, I, I was just rapidly becoming addicted to it and I needed to hear more mm-hmm. i would say it was a slow burn until i got hold of the uh a friend of mine who uh i had actually turned on to baby metal I was like you need to check this out he downloaded their first album um and then he was like here i know you can't buy this album yet but here's mp3s just enjoy this stuff I, I, i'm not really feeling the album but i know it's for you um and yeah that was that that was uh, i can't remember how long after that that would have been but yeah, it was it was uh that that first listen of that first album was was some something else. <laughs> I'm against to tell you uh would you relate kind of how you're feeling at this point about baby metal to what ICP did for you when you were younger? Yeah, I I would say that um it definitely gave me that feeling of uh this is something that feels like mine. Um mm-hmm. like I said like I was I was that scientists discovering this new alien life um and i i I wanted to tell people about it but at the same time i wanted to protect it as well because like i said people wanted to ridicule the gimme chocolate video and yeah it was it was something that meant something very very personal to me Mm -hmm. and it was basically just filling my heart with love and joy and uh, that was at a time a critical time where my heart was filling rapidly with anything but um, sure. so yeah, it, it, it was, uh, I would say that it, it just, it just was this miracle elixir that just kind of came like a gift from the Fox God and just said, look, you need to <laughs> enjoy this, like just get away from all this stuff that's in your head and what's going on in your life right now and just experience this. And, um, so yeah, it was, it was kind of like a ICP 2.0. It was like mm-hmm. the ICP had, had taught me how to, come out of my shell and then baby metal had taught me now how to get out of uh just a a world of negativity and celebrate joy and and happiness uh the things that i'd forgotten how to feel right Mm -hmm. so in 2014 baby metal played sonosphere and you knew somebody at the show 
Yeah. <laughs> just broke my heart. I don't know if I'll be able to give this justice. But basically, uh, a friend of mine was at Sonosphere. And I can't remember where I was at the time. Um, but I started getting texts from him. And he's like, oh, that, that baby metal group is here. And then he's like, oh, something's going on. They've been moved to the main stage. And then later on, there was another text saying, okay, they've come on stage. People are booing. Then uh, about another 30 seconds past, he's like, this sucks. I'm out of here, all this kind of stuff. And then a couple minutes after that, he's like, then I start getting like this the change in tone in these texts and it starts spiring more towards elation. So it's <laughs> it's going, he, he, he then starts saying stuff like, uh, people seem to be into this. And then the next one would say, wow, there's mosh pits. And then the next one would say, this is awesome. And then by the end of their performance, he was like, the, the text message was just riddled with exclamation marks or capital letters. It was like, you need to see these guys live. This is amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you so much for telling me about this. I was like, you hated them five minutes ago. He's like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it was... Um, uh, and uh, but for me like at the same time like I, I was i was so happy that everything had gone well for them um with that audience i'm gonna try not to get emotional here in my mind all i could think about was they were <clears throat> excuse me <laughs> take your time it's okay uh yeah there, there were three little girls who were basically in front of thousands of people who were there to hate them um mm-hmm. and they they made it through they won them over they they, they stood their ground right, they turned them around they turned them around and uh yeah that was for me it was just mind-blowing i was like okay if they can do it i can do it too like i'm i'm in this world of hell right now and i need to get out of it so what can i do to improve my situation how can i be a japanese schoolgirl <laughs> in front of a, 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 a field full of people who are there to hate me and um you know make make it out on the other side and win 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 my life back basically uh, yeah uh, that that was uh that was where the butterfly came out yeah nemo in the chat right now is saying he had no idea that they were booed at any point um i guess it would may have been just the people that he was with uh, or hyperbole on his part but he i i had the impression that they were not being well received as soon as they'd gone on the stage. Mm-hmm. Well, and I could imagine, I mean, like, you know, it, much in the same way that someone sent you the link saying, look at this ridiculous group, you know, uh, yeah. there may well have been people who went to that show specifically, you know, to see the ridiculous group. Right. <laughs> yeah. They have characteristics. Like if you describe them, they have characteristics that you might think, oh, well, okay, this is a band by committee trying to make a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a, it's kind of none of those things, but uh, right. I can see how the audience might be all ready to boo them. Yeah. Though it, it just seems like, how do you boo these <laughs> three little kids? Well, <laughs> you forget that, well, I don't know if you're even aware of this. So um, the UK kind of has a history of this kind of thing. So there was a, a, a group, uh, a couple of girls who terrorized the pop charts in the 90s called Daphne and Celeste. Um, and I can't remember if it was Glastonbury or it was, it was some big event. It may have been Leeds and Reading. I'm not sure. Um, but people were literally urinating into the heavy on water bottles and throwing them on stage and, and slinging oh, wow. rocks at them and all kinds what? of stuff. It was, it was like a big deal. And, um, Keanu Reeves had a group, uh, Dog Star Five, I think they were called. Um, he also had a similar thing when his band went on stage. People were just like, you suck, get off the stage, wow. have some pee. So yeah, 
Um, I mean, that's, that's not to say that the uh, UK audiences are, are savages, not, not by any stretch of the imagination, as I'll tell you later, like they're some of the most loving people you could ever meet. But as with all mass gatherings, there's always one or two bad apples who have to spoil the fun for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Right. So Baby Metal plays Sonosphere. Yeah. You're homeless. Yeah, still. You're inspired. I am. Where, where do you where do you go from there? So around this time, I started to get a little bit of work here and there. So I was able to, you know, pay back my mounting debts and um, give money back to people who'd help me out here and there, um, buy food for people. Um, but I was only treading water and the work was never permanent. So I never knew it was kind of like this false security. Um, mm-hmm. I'd got into these roles by basically um thinking like okay i have this fuel under me right now to uh inspire by baby metal like i need to really up my game in, in trying to get work um that went to a next level thing and I'll, I'll talk about that in a bit um but yeah at that point i was like okay i can i can kind of take care of myself for a little bit so i found someone who wanted to buddy up and get an apartment so uh, I, I, for the first time in, I think at this point it had been like two years, maybe three years, I had something that I could permanently call or relatively permanently call mine, uh, like a, a home, um, mm-hmm. which was uh, an experience in and of itself. Um, but this person was not the easiest person to live with, hmm. um, which then became its whole other set of problems for me to deal with. I was having to deal with the psychological torment of having to deal with someone who was not particularly pleasant, especially after they'd had a a drink or two, uh, which led to multiple arguments and uh, screaming and slamming doors like a petulant child. But uh, yeah, it was not fun. But you're off the street. Yeah. I'm off the street. That's true. But uh, it's like a kind of like a, I'd got the arms and legs kind of jammed on the walls and I was like, okay, I've stopped the free fall but I'm still in this massive hole. How am I going to get out of here? Mm-hmm. So you're kind of bouncing around between temporary jobs for a couple of years after Sonosphere, but you have an apartment at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was pretty much that way until 2017, but uh, I don't want to get too far ahead. <laughs> sure. Well, uh, let's fast forward then to 2016. Um, yeah. Baby metal plays Wembley arena. Mm-hmm. Metal resistant comes out. Yeah. And I think, uh, just to peel back the curtains a little bit, Wizard of Oz style, I think this was what kind of led Kevin to message me about coming on the podcast to talk about this. Because when yeah. Wembley played on YouTube uh, a few months back, uh, that was when I started to talk about this. I was like, oh, I remember when Wembley happened. This is the story. And he's like, yeah. dude, like, this is pretty harrowing, but fascinating at the same time. So, yeah. So, so basically, I'd had an argument with this, with this person. And I just threw everything I had into into a bag. I still lived there, so I knew that my stuff would be relatively safe. He wasn't going to sell it on eBay or throw out a window and trash it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I just took what I could. Um, I was like, okay, well, I've done it before. I can do it again. So I went and found a underpass, and uh, I just sat there. And then uh, the guy who had been at the Sonosphere performance uh, starts texting me, and he's like, "Dude, did you know that Baby Metal were here at Wembley?" I was like, get out of here. They're in the UK. He's like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm here. Like, this is awesome. The crowd is awesome. Um, and I'm going to enjoy the show for both of us and all this kind of thing. And uh, it just, it broke me. I was like, okay, they're, 
playing mm. this legendary venue here in in my home country the capital city like the the girls have come far i'm still here um yeah it it was it was very distressing and then i was getting again the text from him this is amazing this is awesome i'm so glad you put me onto this band <laughs> all this kind of stuff but i was like okay just keep pouring that salt in the wound my friend like just uh, right (laughs) yeah yeah uh i i'm i'm under an underpass it's hammering it down with rain i have no money to get anything to eat um what can i do and then uh, i got another text from a friend and she's like oh um i'm gonna put the kids to bed do you want to come over i i can't remember how she found out but i think she must have uh called the house or something and then the guy had said oh toby's not here he's disappeared um so and she lived not too far away so I, I grabbed my bag walked over there in the rain and um i sort of saw the kids saw her talked to her for like five six minutes and then um she went upstairs to put them into bed uh, and i was in the kitchen where we'd been having coffee and uh, there was like uh, her kids plates were basically there and they still had tons of leftovers there was a couple of cold chips and some fish fingers and some baked beans and uh, my lowest point, I just scooped all that into my mouth and then felt hideous shame and uh, mortified. And basically, I've stolen food from children, even though they didn't want it anymore. Um, mm. And I just left the house. Uh, she, she, I didn't say goodbye. She came downstairs to speak to me and I wasn't there anymore, basically, is what happened. Uh, and I just wow. went back to that underpass and still the texts are coming in, having a great time, blah, blah, blah. And I was just absolutely miserable and morose and in that bad place again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it occurred to me that Baby Metal had just dropped a brand new album, Metal Resistance. So I was like, okay, now, now more than ever, I need to hear these voices. Let's see what the new stuff is. Uh, and my phone only had like five, 6% battery power left. I was like, okay, I, I've probably got enough data connection to hear one song on youtube before my phone dies uh i don't know what's going to happen but i don't care i need to i need i need baby metal Mm -hmm. um so i pulled up youtube um and i just picked a random song i didn't know what i was looking at and i just uh hit uh metataro and uh that song just filled my ears with delight just sheer unbridled joy and uh i not only i guess it was fate again like i i was basically hearing a song where not just sue's voice was on there but i could hear yui singing and i could hear moa singing mm-hmm. um and yeah it, it was i don't know i just remember just weeping and um just loving that song and that's why that song will always remain my favorite song on that album mm. um yeah, it was quite the quite the experience in a life full of experiences. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I presume your phone dies. You listen to Meditaro. You're under an yeah. overpass. Baby Metal's playing Wembley. Yeah. <laughs> I curl up with my little bag, sleep under the underpass again. And then I woke up and I was just like, right, I'm done with this. I need to see Baby Metal live. My life literally depends on it at this point. Mm-hmm. Um that is my my one true north my my touchstone like seeing baby metal live is what's going to get me out of this come mm. hell or high water so i marched back home i didn't literally kick the door in but i wish i could say i'd kick the door in uh grabbed my <laughs> charger got changed for work went into the office charged my phone up 
and was listening to uh, Metal Resistance on on YouTube through my headphones at my desk. Um, and I was just not prepared for uh, when the one uh, came on. Hmm. Um, I just, my lip was just trembling at my desk. I was like, I'm about to cry in front of all my colleagues. This is not cool. I'm just a temp. Like I, I have no right to cry in front of people. So I uh, grabbed grabbed my headphones and my phone and just went to the water cooler and and popped it on, pulled my eyes out and uh, there it was. That was the song that um, completed the feeling for me that I always had with Insane Clown Posse. ICP have mm. always had a song, at least one on each album, and it's typically the last track of each album that gives a message of unity and uh, an embracing of the fan base, kind of like uh, an expression of gratitude for them being there. Uh, not just supporting them as a band, but just we're so grateful that we have people like you who we've our music has managed to touch. Like that, that's magical to us. And to me, that's what I was hearing from the one. Um, the lyrics are kind of cryptic in places because, of course, you know it's their first English language song, I guess. But um, yeah, that 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 stuff was just so powerfully touching to me. Um, and it just completely cemented my resolve to get on my feet and get back there and get to uh, get to seeing Baby Metal live. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I pretty much marched into uh, a job agency. I was like, I don't care what you do. Like, just give me a job. Give me a permanent job. I, I need permanence. I, I, I can't do this anymore, basically. And I just sat there. I was like, I'm not leaving until you give me something. After 20 minutes, they came back and they're like, okay, we, we, we might have something for you. Um, and yeah, that, that was it. So I, I kind of parlayed that. I, I managed to get that little bit of experience that, that basically my CV to that point seems to be quote unquote lacking despite the lack of academic achievements. Like they, people can now look at the CV and say, oh, he is doing something now that is relevant to this kind of work. So maybe we should roll the dice and, and take mm. a gamble and then. Yeah, that was uh, the beginning of 2017. I uh, started as a contractor for uh, working in wow. their uh, digital design department. So how long did you spend homeless? In total, I mean, if you put it all together and, and minus the, the time I was, uh, you know, couch surfing and sleeping on people's garages and stuff, mm -hmm. uh, probably three years maybe on and off. Wow. Those, those years are kind of a blur to me. Yeah. Um, one of the things that this, this is a, a, a bad thing about me, I would say, is that when I'm in crisis, I'm completely incapable of reaching out to people. Um, mm. but I am unusually adept at putting on the facade that everything is hunky dory. So people, uh, who would check in with me would be like, Hey, how's it going? I was like, oh, I'm totally awesome. You know, all, all this stuff is going on. Sure. And then, um, behind the scenes, I was just like a complete mess and, and, my mental health was just torn to, to ribbons. Um, but I was still able to put on this happy face and, and make people feel reassured that I was okay. Uh, right. When, when I really wasn't. Would you say baby metal saved your life? <laughs> I mean, that, that, that is a big question, isn't it? Um, I would say, yeah. Um, indirectly, I would say, yes. Mm -hmm. The music and their personalities, uh, them themselves the the theatricality the law everything about this group is so quintessentially them like there's nothing else that's really like it <laughs> yeah um and the 
way that it kind of came like a lightning bolt like I said earlier right place right time it just it just completely turned everything around for me um psychologically emotionally um I wouldn't say physically because I'm still a, a, a train wreck when it comes to my health but uh, yeah it's um <laughs> it's uh it was literally that one when everything was dark it was that one little bit of light and that light just grew and grew and grew and I'm happy to say now I live in this ball of brightness that uh, yeah I don't I don't see the dark <laughs> I feel it I know it's there mm-hmm. um depression is unfortunately something that doesn't just miraculously disappear but I always now feel like I'm outside of it uh, and I can keep it in check mm. um, and that's all thanks yeah. to baby metal that's incredible yeah and I do I do sort of feel like there I mean like there's possibly part of the story that could have seized on anything you know like that it's not specifically baby metal but it's there's a thing that you could use to guide you but at the same time i think there is a kind of a a unique positiveness to baby metal too that's kind of like it's new yeah and it's different and it's it's happy and silly and you know like the it, it does have a kind of a uniqueness to it that might have served this purpose you know exceptionally well yeah yeah, yeah. and then when you have songs like idz where you know, as someone who is relentlessly bullied in school, like that just, it resonates, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah. it's like, I can relate to this. It's, it's, it's an amazing song just on its own merit, but the message behind it is so, so much more amplified than it might be someone who maybe didn't go through that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So you got hired. Your goal I did. was to see baby metal live. It was indeed. <laughs> did that happen? <laughs> I'm thrilled to say uh, Brixton Academy 2019. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, the Fox God said, here you go, man. You, you, you've, you've done it. You've made it. Here's a ticket to the show. Yay. It awesome. was, uh, yeah, it, it, it was, I, I can't, I just holding that ticket. Like I was physically trembling. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, I, I basically can. Can someone wrap me in bubble wrap for the next nine months while I'm waiting to get to this concert so I don't die? Like, I need to be here for this. Um, so yeah, it was it was awesome. My uh, my uh, friend, um, he uh, he doesn't like baby metal whatsoever. He he likes the music, but he doesn't get the band. Mm. Um, but he was like, uh, my wife really wants to go to this show. Can you go with her? And I was like, okay. So, uh, yeah, he, he, uh, uh, basically got us tickets and then I was able to then pay that back for her in, in the future, yeah. um, with, with, uh, the 2020 shows. But, um, this was the point where I was like, okay, life is pretty good right now. Um, I've been into baby metal for five years, but I don't really know the fan base. I don't know the baby metal version of a juggalo, basically. <laughs> right. I wonder what they're like. So I went on Reddit and that was when I discovered the, uh, the baby metal subreddit. For the most part, everyone seems to be quite level headed and, and relatively sane. So I thought, okay, <laughs> these are all nice people. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of anxious about how they're going to react to me. Like I'm mm. at this point, I'm 37 years old. I'm going to be at a baby metal concert for the first time. Are they going to be looking at me like I'm some kind of a poser or? Uh, someone who's trying to hop on some kind of a bandwagon, not knowing that I've been into them from, well, relatively from the beginning, uh, at least in terms of their international yeah. exposure. 
so yeah, I was very, very nervous about going there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I quickly discovered that there was no need to be nervous whatsoever. Yeah, so the, the one was a really important song in your story. What was it like experiencing the one as a fan base, you know, outside for the before the show and after the show? And <laughs> Well, so I'd done this thing where I was like, okay, I want to make friends when I get there. Um, I... Uh, with with the, the the juggalos like it's normal that you have you kind of go to the town where they're performing the night before you have like a crazy party together at bars and just create havoc in the town and then you wake <laughs> up the next day you all you all cure each other's hangovers uh, uh-huh. and go to the show and that's that's kind of the the experience but I, I didn't know what it would be like to go to a bay metal show so i thought okay I, I need to make friends so how can i do this so I posted on Reddit and I was like, um, I'm going to post a, a, a password here. If you come up to me in the queue and give me this password, you have to say it out loud. I will buy you a t-shirt of your choice from the merchandise booth because I've always had this thing where awesome. I've, I've always gone through, you know, I've, I've gone through these last few years, not having anything. And now I had more money than I've ever seen in my life. Uh-huh. Um, and I just didn't want to take it for granted, but I was like, okay, this is what I need to survive. This is what I need to live on. I now have all this excess money. I can give that to someone else who doesn't have that. So I said, like, if you, if you want a t-shirt, I'll hook you up with a t-shirt from the merch booth. And the, the password was, please, can I cut you open and sleep inside your tummy like a tauntaun? <laughs> Which is a reference to the opening of the Empire Strikes Back, if you're not yeah. familiar with Star Wars. Ah. So, so I got, I got there and, uh, people are, people are looking at me and then, um, this guy comes over. He's like, are you the guy? I was like, what guy? Like, like a drug dealer or something? And he's like, no, the guy, the guy from Reddit, the one with the password. I was like, uh, I believe I am. Yes. He's like, okay, great. Come join us. And, um, I, I wish I could remember the guy's name. I never saw him again. Um, but they just immediately were like throwing their arms around me. They just wanted to know my story about Bay Metal. They wanted to know who my favorite member was, what my favorite song was, which is your favorite album, like all these controversial topics, but nothing you said was (laughs) controversial. Like any way you, uh, responded, people would celebrate it. And then other people would say, okay, well, I like mine one better, but that's fine because I respect your opinion. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it, they were just the nicest people. And after like five minutes, I said like, so you guys know that I put this password out on Reddit. Are you not going to ask, like, give me the password? <laughs> yeah. and, they were, and they were like, no, man, like, we just wanted to meet you. Like we, we want to be a part of your first baby metal experience. And I was yeah. like, that is so super cool of you. And, uh, later on, I did meet a guy who, uh, he had basically spent his last penny getting a train to the show. Um, he had no uh hope of getting any merchandise whatsoever he he was also it was his first baby metal show and uh i was talking with him and i was like do you know what the password is he's like uh yeah i do i was like come on man say the password he's like can i sleep inside <laughs> your tummy like a tauntaun and like this guy who was behind him was like no i almost said it i was like i'm sorry he won <laughs> so yeah we 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 went, we went into the show together him and my friend Haley, and um yeah, we went to the merch booth. I was able to get him uh, the t-shirt he wanted. And then I also, because I knew he didn't have any money, I was able to just get him drinks from the bar and all that kind of thing. And that's awesome. Yeah, we, there we were. We were uh, in the, in a, a crowd full of kids and a waiting for 
baby metal to take the stage. It was uh, it was a magical experience. Yeah, I'd be remiss in ask, not asking what what was your first show like after everything you've been through. I just remember so um, another thing I posted on Reddit was someone had uh, asked once like, "What is your favorite baby metal moment?" Mm-hmm. And for me, it was the second that the lights went down, and just before baby metal came on stage uh, at Brixton Academy. Yeah, um, I realized I had like this feeling that baby metal don't know i exist i'm just a face in a crowd um Mm -hmm. but because they exist i feel like i've become a better person and it was that moment where i that was my favorite baby metal moment and then the lights came on i saw rio with something to prove because she'd only been seen by an international audience i think the day before at glastonbury uh Mm. i saw you know the grace and elegance of sue i saw that smile of mowers, which, you know, it's can obliterate entire continents with, with the <laughs> cuteness. Like it, it, they just came on stage and yeah, the, 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 the music started and I, I was just there with a massive smile, like a Richter's grin for the entire show. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, uh, uh, an interesting uh, version of the one was performed, which I'd never heard before. It was the, the live version they do with the piano and it kind of slowly builds. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I remember just like crying during that. And then I looked and then there was a girl who was next to me who turns out, uh, I found out about nine months later, there was a a fan from Scotland called Amanda. Um, and (laughs) like we reconnected at the London show in February this year. Um, but yeah, we were both really feeling that song. And, um, like I said earlier, Starlight is my favorite baby metal song and, um, Mm -hmm seeing that live and that interpretation of it because I think it had a different intro as well. Um, that was incredible. And then syncopation happened as well. Like that was another mind blowing moment where I was like, I can't believe I'm the yeah, first person in this country. Yeah. yeah. It, that was <laughs> amazing. And I, I knew, um, I actually did see Callie was there and I was kind of, I knew who Callie was, but I was like too <laughs> intimidated to No, I didn't see you then, did I? I? No, exactly. But we, we met each other at, at the London show. Yeah, um, we did. Yeah. yeah. If I can, if I can stray off the story for a second, if if you see Callie in the audience, do not be afraid of her. She's the most lovely person you could ever <laughs> wish to <laughs> speak to. I my my camera died, and I I was like, oh, I really wish I could take a picture. She's like, that's cool, and just whipped out her own phone, took a picture of me, and then sent it to me on Instagram later. Like, awesome. That's who she is. She's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, that that whole concert, that that whole night, I just I I came out and I was just vibrating with with yeah just life I, I felt yeah. like i would i felt, felt like i was breathing oxygen for the first time in half a decade like it was it was an experience wow so uh, yeah and that was uh that was pretty much my my journey towards where i am now um baby metal have always been there with me um from pure darkness to pure light um and they're going to be there for the rest of my life whatever happens to them we we never know but um you know their career is full of drama and surprises just like my own life has been but uh yeah the, that that music is is forever um and i think everyone listening to this right now would agree that you know that it is something special and uh something that means so much to everyone um and yeah we 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 are forming bonds and friendships and 
these these crazy paths through life that none of us would have ever been able to obtain were it not for these you know young women from japan who just came out one day and started rocking the house you know it's a a beautiful (laughs) thing yeah your your story is just really inspiring and just incredible i was floored you know the first little bits the, the first little bits that you shared with us here on discord and I knew I had to get you on the show because I, I think it's really just incredible and inspiring. No, I, you know, I really appreciate you've experienced, it. Yeah, it really, you've experienced it really more is. in 37 years than most people will experience their entire lifetime. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I mean, we were, we were saying the other day in our, in our private messages, like if anyone listening to this right now can take anything away from the, this frantic rambling that I've been doing for the last few couple of hours, like, uh, just don't give up because yeah. you know you may not know but I, I'm proof that things do get better sometimes they get horrifically worse first but you have a lot of people say like oh uh, baby mill has this power that saves people mm-hmm. uh, that power is actually within you it's just baby metal is providing you the key to unlocking that potential and to to help you just they'll they will take your hand and they will pull you out of that darkness and, and get you to a better place where you can become a a better person you could be, you could continue and be a worse person if you want and that's on you um you know who, who who are we to to disagree with your choices in life but uh yeah just baby metal will never let you down and uh the one has always got your back and that's the the, the ps that i can give to this like uh I just yeah. appreciate everyone listening right now. I appreciate the podcast. I appreciate, you know, Lily with her uh, little kids and a gifts who are just, you know, uh, like fan art. Like there's amazing fan art that's just inspired by this oh, group. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, it's, there is, there is a microcosm, this, this tiny little universe that's suddenly growing. It is the metal galaxy. Um, yeah. And we're all just, thriving in it and just having the greatest time and i hope that there's more of us who are going to join us don't give up <laughs> yeah. there was another sort of project that you uh were working on that you had that i came to know about earlier uh like before i knew any of your background story so maybe you can talk a little bit about what you're working on now what are your goals going forward <laughs> and so forth Oh, I'd actually completely forgotten about that. So thank you for, for bringing that up. There's actually two <laughs> things uh, I could talk about. Um, the first one uh, I'll talk about very briefly. So the first one is a project called Toby Every Day. And basically what I'm doing is I am uh, doing a live stream on Twitch every day of me trying to get myself into shape with the goal that in the year 2022, I will be able to walk to the top of Mount Fuji in Japan and fly my baby metal flag that I got at uh, the European tour oh, this year. Cool. Oh, that's awesome. And I would love for anyone listening right now to join me. Um, if it, All I'm doing is walking two miles a day at the moment, uh, trying to lose weight and uh, just get myself into a physical condition where I'm able to do that. And where can they find you doing that? Uh, you can find it on Twitch, uh, Toby Every Day. Um, Toby Every Day mm-hmm. on YouTube as well. Once I've done the live broadcast on twitch i then export it straight to youtube mm-hmm. we'll link those in the show notes for everybody oh that would be great thank you yeah and and basically anyone who comes into the chat room we talk about anything we had a, a, a 
20 minute conversation about Ghostbusters the other day. Like we can talk about anything you want, but uh, people do want to talk about baby metal and Japan a lot because that's where a lot of my interest is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, there's always Kitsune hanging out in the chat room. Um, but yeah, my, my big project at the moment and one that I am indescribably proud to say that you guys, uh, Callie, Paul, Kevin, Garrett, hopefully Birdchan as well somehow, uh, are going to be involved with. And that's a baby metal rap opera. I will have to explain the premise to you because it's a little bit strange. Um, but if you've been paying attention to everything I've been saying, it will completely make sense. So the concept is uh, uh, each song is going to be a chapter of a story. There's six chapters. There's a prologue and an epilogue. So eight tracks total. And each chapter, uh, each song will tell a snippet of a story. Um, the story will begin with um, a gigantic 100 foot tall kaiju that is uh, destroying a city completely by accident. He can't help it. He's gigantic. Um, uh, and then uh, he will go through uh, a transformation into learning about the good things in life, the bad things in life, um, and will basically find salvation through the uh, help of three angels who are not named by name because I don't want to get Cobra coming after me with say, you're infringing my copyright. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, basically uh, these uh, angels will then bestow the power of the fox god upon this creature and then... Yeah, the, the, the grand finale will be a celebration of the one. It will be my way of giving back to the people that have, uh, I've met through this music. Um, it will be, um, hopefully something that they can just pop on and be entertained by it. I am not a musician. I have no training in music whatsoever. Um, but I can write a funny story in lyrical form and I can put some loops together. Um, so it's, it, Basically, I'll be telling the story very much like an Insane Clown Posse album where it will be wrapped. There will be no bad language. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it will hopefully just give you something that will be entertaining to listen to uh, if you've got nothing better to do. Uh, the plan was to have it finished um, for the Utrecht show that was supposed to happen in June, I think it was. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, life's gotten very bad for everyone in the world right yeah. now with COVID-19 so that's kind of thrown a wrench in the works but the project is still very much alive I'm still working on it little by little um, and the idea will be that when whenever I go to a baby metal concert from now on I'll, I'll have uh, flyers with a QR code and you can just scan that QR code and get the album for completely for free and yeah you can just listen to it in line the whole album will only take 25 minutes to listen to but uh, I hope you guys will enjoy it yeah, can't wait to listen yeah. to it. Yeah, I can't wait for you guys to, to be on it. It's going to be really fun. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be so exciting. Yeah, can't wait. So yeah, that's my life with Baby Metal. I just can't wait to see what happens next. It's a very impressive, uh, inspiring story too. Yeah. So, yeah, well, I really appreciate you guys giving me this platform to share it with everyone. I hope uh, people have uh, enjoyed it. Yeah, no, thank you for being on and being willing to be so open. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. I very much appreciate it. I mean, that, that, that was actually something I wanted to touch on earlier is um, being bullied. I learned that people can say all kinds of horrible things about you. Um, but if you are just open about 
anything and wear that stuff like a badge of honor, um, then no one can take that away from you. So if you are a fan of baby metal, for example, and you're scared that people will ridicule for it, don't be scared because I guarantee there are way more people out there who will embrace you for it mm. than the three mm. people that are going to point and laugh. It's not for them. They don't understand. That's on them. Like, just enjoy it. Be yourself. Yeah. I can think of no better note to end on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually just uh, trying to figure out, you know, it, it seems kind of trivial in a way to end the episode. <laughs> but, I know. I <laughs> do. <laughs> but, uh, Oh, well, maybe in five years' time, I'll check back in and uh, give you a catch-up. I'll let you know what happened after this. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm giving everyone a hug. If, if you're listening right now, I love you. Yeah, same at you. <laughs> okay, but I think, nevertheless, I will end the episode. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for uh, for sticking with it in the chat room. It's been really interesting to to see the comments go by. And thank you, Toby, for taking us through this really impressive story. No problem. Yeah, thank you. But so that's it for this episode. You can join us on the Baby Metal Podcast Discord to continue the conversation. Rating the podcast on whatever platform you listen on will help people find it, so please do that. We'll be back here in about two weeks. We hope you'll join us then. And until then, see you. <laughs>